Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show. Quite a bit that went on today uh, on this Sunday evening. Uh, basically, we had uh, the U.S. Open come to a conclusion finally after what amounted to a uh, no less than a terrible torture film in the third round of the Open with the wind gust being up to 19 miles per hour and just completely destroying that Shinnecock. Uh, golf course. Uh, it was a it was a joke of a tournament, to be honest. Uh, the, and the fact that they had to overwater the greens on uh, uh, Saturday night uh, to make it uh, relatively playable today only led to uh, someone actually shooting a 63, being Tommy Fleetwood. Oh, who by the way still leads the PGA in driving. So this did end up turning into a driving contest uh, after all, which you know people are going to complain about. But again. They wouldn't have had to make the green so soft if they just halted play on Saturday and just resumed it uh, uh, on Sunday. But the reason why they, the USGA didn't want to do that is, A, they want to make the players suffer because in their twisted minds, this is somehow a humbling process when the course is absolutely unplayable. And B, they also don't, uh, uh, don't want to uh, uh, tick off Fox because Fox paid for the television rights. I mean, that's what the long and short of it is, is that the reason why they force the players to play through adverse conditions that could dramatically affect uh, a golf tournament because some guys played in fine weather and other guys played in terrible weather the way Dustin Johnson did is because they know at the end of the day, you know, eventually someone's going to have a good weather spot to make some da- uh, to do some damage in. And uh, that in their minds, that determines the best golfer. Uh, you know, not to take away anything from Brooks Kepka from uh, uh, being the first guy since Curtis Strange to win back-to-back U.S. Opens, but realistically, Kepka's got one PGA Tour win other than the U.S. Open. That's not exactly the measuring stick of a uh, great champion. Maybe Kepka, uh, you know, he hasn't turned 30 yet. Maybe he actually turns it around and starts winning more games on the PGA Tour, but. Until then, this just becomes yet another example of why the U.S. Open 
is not exactly a barometer of how good of a golfer you are because sometimes it's just a matter of how long you can survive and not actually how well of a, a shot maker you are or how great of a, a how great you are at driving or your short game. It's just how much you can survive and if you can putt. I mean, yes, uh, we all know putting is a, a huge thing in golf, but the way the uh, the ball was rolling off the green to, uh, at Chittacock, and you know, just because of terrible pin placement uh, uh, in the, the earlier rounds, completely changed this golf course. I mean, it was a completely different golf course on Sun uh, t- uh, today, but uh, you know, I, I just look at this and just say, you know, this is why I hate watching the U.S. Open because. Yeah, British Open, sometimes you'll just have the rain delays, but the U.S. Open, you're just looking at terrible conditions. And for those of you who are saying that, yeah, well, we want to see them struggle the way normal people would, no normal person is going to golf in that type of weather. You guys are sitting in the clubhouse. Like, come on, get over yourselves. It's not it's not a case of, oh, I'm seeing the best in the world struggle. It's you just genuinely like to see people have nervous breakdowns on course because they're playing in adverse conditions that you know there's no reasonable way to actually put up a good score. And so you have an event like what Phil Mickelson did, which was essentially a tin cup moment in a moment where he just just said, screw it, I, I don't care anymore. And he, and he runs after his putt and, and taps it before it stops moving. You know, everyone who wants to wring their hands and just uh, crush a guy uh, over his entire career, over one moment, uh, you guys need to get over yourselves, uh, r- really and truly. Uh, I, there's nothing else I can tell you. It's like unless he's going to get suspended by the USGA, that's the long and short of it. Try to tell him to withdraw. You know, I completely agree with Phil's uh, approach to it. It's like if you guys thought that he was trying to cheat, that you know, then you guys weren't understanding what uh, was going through his mind at that point. Because I, I could see that clearly he just was fed up at that point with uh, just the pin placement. So, uh, should he have done it? Absolutely not. But you can clearly understand from a human element where he was at at that moment in time. So, uh, that's all I'm going to say on the U.S. Open. I could go into further detail on it, but, you know, it's just aggravating watching that tournament play out sometimes because I I still don't think it's a true barometer of how good of a golfer you are. To me, they just make it a a matter of luck of when you catch certain holes at a particular time because they had no way of accounting for uh, the weather at Chinnacock yet again, and it's not the first time either. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, So you got a a plus one actually winning a professional uh, major at a golf tournament. Bravo. You guys... You guys did it again, USGA, it, and they can they can claim all they want that it wasn't intentional, but you know they had their chance to actually uh, directly save some of these golf scores by just pulling the players off the course Saturday, and they chose not to. So it is what it is. So moving on to something that I think people are more interested in, uh, we've got the World Cup, uh, and after a couple of ho hum games. Uh, uh, to start the day, Thursday and Friday morning, we had a barn burner between uh, Spain and Portugal where Cristiano Ronaldo just went off. I mean, what else can you say other than he had a hat trick? And not only a hat trick, it was an electric hat trick. I mean, he took Portugal on his back, which is something that 
I had my doubts about at this stage of his career that he could do just because of how uh, much he doesn't dribble that much anymore. But, I mean, to suffice to say, you know, like starting off the uh, game against uh, Spain, I mean, usually Portugal uh, starts off uh, the World Cup slow, but they were up for this game against Spain. They were certainly up for it. And they needed every little bit from CR7 because uh, Spain had a really good start to the tournament as well. They were putting pressure on Portugal. Uh, but that last free kick by uh, Ronaldo to tie the game up at 3-3, it's going to be the moment of the tournament uh, probably in my mind. It's going to be hard to top that unless someone comes up with an even more electrical uh, in the latter stages. But because of like the opponent... And just the history between Spain and Portugal and how much that draw met for Portugal, just keeping their hopes alive of uh, winning that group. Uh, to me, that is going to be uh, a top moment in the tournament. It's going to hard. It's going to be very hard to shake that, uh, especially uh, considering the moment that people were still looking at this uh, tournament as the way to decide between who's the man of. Uh, of uh, the generation of soccer between uh, Ronaldo and Messi. Uh, you know, you had Ronaldo coming up big with the hat trick. And then the following morning, you had Messi against Iceland. And it was not pretty, uh, to suffice to say. You, you had uh, Argentina and Iceland go to a 1-1 draw. And Messi missing a penalty very uh, very much so. I mean, he it was saved by the keeper, but... Let's be fair. Messi did not drive the ball that hard, and he pretty much hit it down the center. It, I mean, it just did not have a significant enough bend uh, for what you would consider to be a, uh, a professional soccer player. Uh, the moment definitely got to Messi, and he had a number of scoring opportunities that he kind of flubbed. Uh, I mean, th there's no simple way to put it other than you know, Ronaldo stepped up. Everyone's looking at Messi the next game. And Messi was, you know, even though he wasn't invisible, every time he had the chance to do something with the ball, he just couldn't get it done. And so the press line, uh, the, uh, the press in Argentina obviously are mortified. And, you know, every, everyone in Portugal is uh, hyping up how well uh, Ronaldo did versus Messi. So uh, it, it's something that's not going to die down. So, uh, the pressure's on Argentina to actually uh, get something done because uh, you had uh, the situation in the afternoon where, uh, you know, you had uh, the a Nigeria team that really just was awful in the afternoon, uh, just uh, lo losing out and, I mean, offering up nothing uh, to Serbia, who won the game 2-0. Uh, I'm still not sold on Serbia, to be perfectly fair, but... Uh, Nigeria just was not good. I, you know, that's a very troubling sign because of the fact that uh, for a team that young to have no legs in the opening matchup, when that is their calling card, uh, the fact that they have youth and energy and can push the ball up the field, that's very troubling that they couldn't get it uh, get it done. So uh, I'm I'm not very convinced that Nigeria's gonna do much in this tournament. Just off of that alone, you know, that's that's a really hard one to sell because I, I just think that Iceland can get a result against them, and Argentina definitely needs a result against Nigeria. So I'm not sure where Nigeria is getting points in this tournament. Other things that caught my eye, obviously, uh, the result 
earlier this morning between uh, Germany and Mexico. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I, you know, I didn't think Mexico played that well. Mexico could have won that game 3 nothing. That's how badly Germany played. Uh, you know, Germany didn't take advantage of their, the few opportunities they did have on the offensive end. And defensively, it was a complete mess. The back three by uh, Jurgen Lowe decided to uh, actually uh, roll out with, I mean, it just failed miserably. The right side of the pitch was just a field day for Mexico as they just romped up and down that side all game long. And it just did not improve. Uh, you know, I thought that in the second half they, they would at least uh, – uh, make some adjustments, but like uh, they took out Sammy Kadira, but Matt Hummels was terrible. Uh, Mesut Ozil blatantly gave uh, giving the ball, ball away. I, I can understand what you know. If it wasn't for the fact that I've watched Ozil play for Arsenal this year, I, I, I'd be struggling to say, oh well, I've never seen him play that poorly before. I'm like, well, this is this is the Ozil uh, you should come to expect. It's just that folks were expecting the fact that playing for the national team, he was magically going to turn around his season. But this is the Ozil I've come to come to know. Uh, so uh, Germany's got a ton of questions that they need uh, to get answers for. But uh, there are some guys on that squad that need to get dropped. So we're going to see how deep the German squad is because they didn't bring up all the younger guys that uh, were winning in the under-21 uh, uh, cup tournament. So... Uh, I'm not sure where uh, Germany's going to find a resolution, but uh, they, they do need to uh, get on top of things because, uh, you know, the uh, the history now is proving to be very disturbing uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, for, uh, past champions struggling in the group stage because you had uh, uh, France in 2002 uh, bomb out of the group stage even though they were defending champs. You had Italy fail to get out of the group stage in 2010. You had Spain in 2014 fail to get out of the group stage. Uh, I mean, the only team that avoided that was Brazil in 2006, who uh, uh, won their opening match in that tournament. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this was this was a bad look for Germany. Uh, I mean, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, the mystique is gone. Uh, everyone's going to be looking for blood now uh, against Germany just because of how badly they look. It's, it's not the fact that they lost. It's the way they lost because, again, this was just not a typical showing for the Germans. They look confused. They look disorganized. So uh, I'm, I'm very much concerned about uh, Germany uh, in the group stage uh, because... Uh, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fight now because you, you've you've got uh, uh, you've got you've got uh, a matchup against Sweden that's a must win on Saturday, uh, and uh, you, you've got uh, a South Korea squad that they'll definitely win against. But now you're in a spot where you have to hope that Sweden doesn't punish South Korea coming up uh, in the next uh, day or so. Uh, because you're you're gonna need to uh, get some results on the gold differential, and you're you're gonna need Mexico to do what they usually do and not show up against South Korea uh, and underestimate their opponent. Uh, but yeah, the Germans put themselves in a really awkward spot. So uh, like I said, they they need to get a result against Sweden. 
and they're gonna need to get some uh, they're gonna need to get some help here because uh, uh, they definitely put themselves in a bad spot. Uh, I know folks are gonna be harping on Brazil and uh, Switzerland uh, uh, ending up in a one-one draw. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get it from the uh, perspective of Brazil took the foot off the gas pedal and couldn't get it back on again after they scored that initial goal. So they got punished for trying to coast, but. To me, uh, Brazil's in a far better position uh, than Germany right now. Because even though I know uh, 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 Serbia won against uh, Costa Rica, uh, you know, I'm not exactly going to be that worried about... uh, 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 I'm not going to be exactly worried about... uh, uh, how Brazil's uh, going to perform in that group just because that's a more well-balanced group. Uh, well, at, at least uh, at, the, at the top, uh, I, I could say uh, uh, Brazil should be able to uh, beat Serbia and uh, Costa Rica. So I think they'll be fine in terms of, uh, uh, of uh, making a pass. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say Argentina's got their work cut out for them against uh, Croatia. Germany's got their work cut out for them uh, just because of uh, dropping those points in Mexico. So that uh, that is... Uh, I, I put the alarm lower for Brazil than I would for Argentina or Germany. But, uh, you know, definitely concerning. Uh, so we're, we're going to finally get into the Group G play. So uh, we're going we're gonna to find out soon, uh, uh, Group G and Group H, we're going to find out about England and Belgium because... Uh, with uh, uh, some of those uh, results uh, this weekend, uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting on Monday between uh, Belgium and England just to see which one of those two teams blinks because they, they've got two matchups that are tailor made for them. They should be uh, Belgium should be able to take care of Panama. England should be t- able to take care of Tunisia. But given the funky results we've seen so far. I, I wouldn't put it past anything that, uh, uh, that's been going on. So uh, I would say the biggest winners uh, of this week, though, had nothing to do with what happened on the pitch. Uh, you know, as much as people want to talk about Mexico, no. The biggest winners and it had nothing to do with uh, the on-field play. It's the fact that the U.S. won the World Cup bid for 2026. And the reason why is the biggest winners are... Uh, Fox and uh, Telemundo. The reason being is the fact that back in 2015, FIFA extended the media rights in the U.S. for both Fox and Telemundo through the 2026 World Cup without any negotiations uh, beforehand with the networks. Uh, The reason being is that the 2022 World Cup is, for lack of a better term, a dumpster fire with Qatar hosting the World Cup and Basically, it being so hot in Qatar, uh, they're they're gonna have to move the start time of the tournament, uh, just because there's no way a human being can actually play soccer in conditions that hot for Qatar. Uh, they they had to move the time of the tournament, which is gonna screw up all the ratings, uh, which was the case that uh, Fox and Telemundo were gonna make and sue FIFA. So because of the uh, rights extension through 2015, you've got the potential of Fox and Telemundo having, uh, with the field expanded 48, having access to Mexico, 
Canada and the U.S. all being in the tournament for 2026, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 total cost for the bid on the media rights is only 425 million. Uh, so, uh, realistically, uh, the amount of money that Fox and Telemundo are going to be able to make off of the 2026 World Cup, uh, you're already seeing it because the ratings. You know they haven't been terrible, but you know it hasn't. It, it's definitely not on the same level uh, that you would have seen if the U.S. were actually in this World Cup. So that's why I'd say the biggest winners uh, because of uh, the World Cup bid has to be the media rights holders, uh, just because of the amount of money that they're uh, going to be recouping in a couple of years. So uh, that's uh, that's what I've got for the World Cup uh, uh, recap thus far. It's definitely going to. Uh, be an interesting tournament given uh, the surprises we've already had uh, thus far in the tournament. So uh, without much further ado, we're going to shift gears a little bit. So I'm going to bring on uh, Cam uh, uh, after the break, and uh, we're going to get uh, Cam on the line and talk a little bit of uh, baseball for fantasy and uh, actual uh, baseball results. So stay tuned. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Stroud have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. All right, we're going to move on to baseball now. And not to be outdone, we've got the return of Cam to the show. Cam, you've had a very nice day today on DK. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yep, I bet. A whole $11, dude. (laughs) Well... Hey, it's not it's not about how much you bet. It's about the valuation from that bet. Remember. Yeah. So if if everyone wants to really hear it, my my poor self bet my last eleven dollars and I won one hundred. So we're back in business, boys. Yeah. I, yeah. But, but my 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 only regret is that I did not uh, hit you up earlier today because I I was busy with the World Cups. Uh, Viewership that uh, I we didn't even get a chance to go over lineups because uh, I mean I still did pretty decent on my own because uh, I I still had uh, good ownership with uh, Bundy and uh, Terran uh, uh, but uh, you know there were just like a couple of standout performances uh, today I mean uh, Terran like obviously had the thirty seven points uh, from starting pitcher so he led the way but I mean you still had. The joke that was the home run derby extended edition series between <laughs> the Rangers and Rockies, where basically if you didn't stack any Rangers and Rockies players, you did not cash in at all today. I mean, it, it, I mean, what, 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 do you, what, do you, what, what can you say about a game that featured twenty-five total runs and twenty-five total hits in a nine-inning game that ended in a walk-off? What, what can I say about it? I can say I didn't play anyone, and I definitely lost. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to the game Friday, though. Hey, I went to the game Friday, played a whole Tours slash Texas stack, 
one being about another eighty dollars. So I mean, it's all good. Yeah. You know, but I should have played it today. I didn't on the regular slate, but on the late afternoon slate, pulled up four first places out of four. I'm good to go. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. You you, you ignored it on the uh, initial early slate. Uh, and try to fade it, but yeah, anyone who tried to fade today just got punished. Uh, I don't know if it was more of tried to fade, but yeah, that it didn't work out very well for anyone. So yeah, if you the, didn't play anyone. Yeah, the only people who actually it worked out for w- were last night's uh, afternoon games, where you faded. If you faded uh, Colorado Texas, then you made out. But the entire series, like uh, Friday night, you definitely had to stack them. Uh, and then today, I mean, it's an absolute must to stack. There, hey, there's I no getting you, around it. Cause... Friday, I had a little uh, a little Desmond revenge game coming in, and he hit two bombs, one right next to my face. I almost dove out and caught it into the bullpen because I wanted it so bad. <laughs> I mean, but it, it was it was it was crazy because you, you had a uh, you had a, uh, cargo go for 18 points. You st- you still had Lemayhu with 21. Then, and then yeah. you had. Delano the Shields with twenty five, Mazzaro had eighteen. Yeah, Mazzaro had eighteen. Like Profar had twenty five. It's like it's it's like I'm laughing. I mean, I mean, come on! It's like realistically, people are not supposed to put up that many numbers in a single game. (laughs) We're playing in freaking Coors number two, dude. I'm telling you. Oh my goodness! (laughs) By the way, just a uh, fun little fun fact. Randall Gritchick, top guy on the board, 42 points today. Jesus Christ. He <laughs> beat Eric Thames by one. I mean, uh, I haven't heard Gritchick's name in ages. Hey, he's been going off a little bit lately, but not, I mean, we're not here for but, it, but is I don't he, think is, of him. But I was saying to myself, like, I really have not heard that much about him. I, like, you know, maybe it's just me not like following up enough, but it, it's like it, it was definitely one where I was got I was kind of questioning myself because uh, you know uh, there's some folks that definitely had some big games uh, today. Uh, Castellanos uh, uh, put up numbers as well. So I mean, there there were folks there were fo- there were folks uh, the the, uh, the last couple of days that uh, did some damage. But uh, because uh, the the other reason why I'll say like Grichuk just came out of nowhere is like he had an O for yesterday, so like I wasn't even like uh, as cheap as he was. I wasn't even like contemplating him. Hey, I, w- I mean I wouldn't have either. I mean, Roark's not the best pitcher today either. I mean he's pretty decent, and then he freaking goes off today. I mean, what do you have? Two bombs? Yeah. Lord, a stolen base. Yeah, because that that that, like, that that one was wow. like that was uh, that that was an eight to six affair, I believe. And you know, on the national side, it wasn't even like a Harp a Harper Rendon game or Trey Turner. It was Michael Taylor. So I mean, Michael Taylor had four stolen bags I was today. About to say he had four stolen bases. Like, how the hell do you even do that? <laughs> I, well, the, well, the, well, the, the joke of it was that, like, for, I started seeing the stat line, and I had a question, like, uh, if the Nats were actually playing the Mets, because, like, legitimately, I didn't know there was a team in the majors that could give up four stone bags other than the Mets. 
Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it was a it was definitely a strange day in the majors uh, today, just in terms of uh, some of the fantasy production, because you had you had guys going off uh, uh, today, and you know, another random guy uh, that we we were talking about uh, offline earlier was the fact that uh, you had Marcus Thames going off today against a. I, I thought it was a, it was gonna be a pretty tough matchup. That's why I was uh, I yeah, wasn't Thames, actually look at I wasn't even looking at Thames today. But like he went off against Noah. <laughs> two bombs, man. Lead off two bombs and a stolen base. Take that. I bet his percent ownage was probably five or less. Uh, it, it was de- it was definitely under ten. It was definitely under ten. For forty six hundred bucks, I would not pick names today. For freaking forty six hundred against no one. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, because I mean, okay, I, let's let's run. Let's I'll run down like the yeah, to, run down the, 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 games. the 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 top the top of, of, of first baseman today because uh, this is how ridiculous it got. You had Thames uh, at forty six hundred uh, with forty one. You had Justin Bohr at thirty eight hundred with thirty two points. Then the the drop off happens with Aguilar at twenty two at three point nine, and then you had uh, uh, Dozier for Kansas City. So not not uh, not Brian Dozier. Uh, I think I think Hunter Dozier. Hunter Dozier going for sixteen at three K. So those those were the top uh, top hitters on the first baseman side. Then on the outfield side, you had Grichuk at thirty six hundred who had forty two. You had Michael Taylor at 33. That's uh, ridiculous. Uh, go for 33 at 3,700. Polanco at 30, also at 3,700 had 28. Uh, tied with Trumbo. Uh, you know, there's a name you haven't heard that much this year. 3,700, he goes off for 28. Uh, and then uh, Odebel Herrera at 3,600 had 28 as well. That's ridiculous. I mean, hey, it was, a, it was an offensive day. Yeah. But like I mean, you even you even had the speedsters because we talked about the shields uh, getting twenty five, but Billy Hamilton had twenty five and he was at thirty one hundred, and exactly. no one no one's playing Billy Hamilton, <laughs> and no one's playing Michael F and Taylor. <laughs> like is playing that on a ten game slate. No one is playing that. I mean, but oh that God. but again, this is how random today was. Uh, you you want me to you want me to get down into the ridiculous part of it? Of how people were winning uh, uh, tournaments today, because let's do second base, third base, because they were led by one guy, and that would be Jace Peterson of Baltimore, uh, with uh, twenty five points at twenty six hundred. Say it again. Sorry, you're breaking up. A little uh, bit. Uh, so basically, it was Jace Peterson uh, scoring twenty five at twenty six hundred salary. Well, I don't want to see it if that even really happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> he probably is not even like on this freaking app because that would never happen. But that—that's—that's that's how ridiculous it was today. Because you know, even though like people were cashing, it's really hard to like gotta justify some of the guys who won today. Uh, like I—I—I I, 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 I feel like it's one of those where just like you know what. I, I was like, I'm glad I cashed today, but at the same time, I'm just like, 
how how were you gonna win today with uh, so, some of the guys, some of these cats who won today? You just like, you know what? Take my money. Take my yeah, money. Take, take the L. Take the L. Hey, as a disclaimer, boys. I didn't win the main slate. I won the afternoon, so I actually did research, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was just like one of those where it's like I, I just, you know, I was like, you, you just gotta, you just gotta take it, and take, take the lumps because, you know, if you could cash out with, with like just randos like going off like that, you know, just avoid the landmines and you, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty bad, but. Yeah, man. Let's go into, uh, I mean, some individual games. If you yeah, want yeah, to, or yeah. So, you want to go. yeah. So, uh, now that we got the fantasy randomness out of out of play, so uh, let, let's talk about the defending champs. We got the Astros winning ten in a row. Uh, you know, completing the sweep against the Royals. I mean, we all know the Royals aren't a good team uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, if you look at the Astros, they're forty-eight twenty-five. And they're 29 and 11 away from home. I mean, you know, that's some really impressive uh, uh, stats. Any way you slice it, because I mean, you you put up better numbers away from home, and you're a dominant offensive team the way the Astros are playing in Minute Maid Park. It, you know, it, it's just a sign of like, there's not that much that I'm gonna be afraid of the Astros in terms of a hangover effect. Even though that uh, that division is strong this year uh, because of the way the Angels started out, I, I have to look at this as a situation where, you know, the Astros should cruise uh, in the second half of the year. Just to, just to base off of the fact that I can't see Mike Trout playing at the level, and as great as Mike Trout is, I can't see him playing at this level for the Angels the entire season. I mean, Trout's doing some things that, like, haven't been done since Mickey Mantle uh, in terms of the numbers he's putting up. So I, I just like the way Houston's performing. I, I have to put him at the top top end of the scale of power rankings for Major League Baseball. It, it's it's hard to, as well as the Yankees played it in that winning stretch. The Astros have to be number one. It's it, to me, it's not even a question. Oh yeah, I mean Seattle playing good. I mean I'm not going to say they're you know I don't know how much contention they're going to do. Yeah. I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep their pitching up with how they're doing right now, but yeah. I mean, even you know, for the Angels, I don't know without Otani, you know, a couple of those injuries, I don't know how they're going yeah. to do. But I mean, either regardless, I mean, the Astros—they're finally getting their bats back, yeah. and it's looking a little gnarly. Yeah, and and people are—I I know folks out in Seattle are going to say that I am hating on their team. But but here but here here's the real here's the realistic fact. You know they've got 15 wins by one run. It's you know you can't I can't take you that seriously. Even though they uh, they played the Red Sox tough uh, this weekend, uh, you know they lost the series. They got and they got a big series coming up against the Yankees this week. But you know ideally I, I need to see a team that gets a little bit more separation. Uh, with some of their wins in the regular season against lesser competition, yes, it's good that you can win one-run games. That I'm not disputing that. But my my biggest issue is uh, when it comes to playoff time, you actually have to show that you're cut above once you're playing top-level competition. And to me, I look at the Mariners as a team that you know what they can win a wild-card game, 
but would I uh, just because of how good Paxton is? But I would not trust him in any kind of wild card game scenario, uh, wild card series scenario where you got to win best of five. I just don't think that team's deep enough uh, from a pitching standpoint or from a hitting standpoint. Yes, I know they have Nelson Cruz, and yes, you know they've had uh, contributions from Seager and Gamble, but. Robbie Cano's not going to be eligible for the postseason. And no one, you know, D. Gordon is, you know, I, I want to say he's doing it with smoke and mirrors, but he's actually put together some decent at-bats. But to me, if you have top-level pitching with A-plus fastballs, you can definitely get D. Gordon out. I'm not, I'm not going to quake in my boots one bit with a lineup that's featuring D. Gordon in what amounts to being a uh, uh, number two hole, number three type hitter. Uh, it's just n- it's not something that I'm going to be afraid of. Uh, so I, I don't believe in the Mariners uh, as a legitimate contender. I, I think they can make the playoffs, but that uh, I, I still think at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you when you look at everything that's going on with uh, baseball, uh, the Mariners are one team that the bottom should fall out sooner than later. Uh, and, you know, the the Astros are uh, took over the division, and I think they hold on the rest of the way. Uh, I just think it comes down to the Mariners and the Angels to get into uh, a wild card spot, and I'm not entirely sold that the Mariners can hold off the Angels if the Angels get healthy with their pitching staff. Oh, yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, if you think about the Astros pitching staff is like ridiculous. Like, like one of the lowest ERAs in the league. Can't beat it. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I could say that happened this week is I'm glad that the Tigers are on a win streak because someone in the AL Central actually has to play like a legitimate baseball team because, you know, the stretch that we had where no one in the Central was above 500 was actually calling into uh, question the whole notion of why are we allowing division winners to get an automatic uh, spot in the playoffs again? Because I, I actually like the concept of division winners getting into the playoffs, but the AL Central was really stretching it for a, for about a, a period of a week and a half there because, you know, the Royals are absolutely tanking, the White Sox are tanking, the Twins were never really that good to begin with, and the uh, Tigers were supposed to lose 100 games this year and surprisingly have held on because of how bad everyone else in the division is. They keep picking off wins against them. Yeah, it's because they're 500. It's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, the Indians are just like so lethargic right now and uh, unfortunately for me because I needed to trade. I was trying to uh, get some more value out of Carrasco before trading him. Uh, Carrasco goes on the DEL uh, because of a line drive hit, you know, thus again showing how fragile a baseball season could be. You know, Carrasco being out of the lineup basically puts uh, the onus of pressure on Kluber and Bauer to actually uh, hold the fort for the Indians because the back end of that rotation is not performing right now. And, you know, even though the, the bats are doing some damage, you know, the bullpen's not where it's been in years past. So they've got a lot of issues right now that they got to sort out. But, you know, no one's going to feel sorry for the Indians uh, at the moment. So they, they've got they've got to pull themselves together and do it quickly because uh, 
Carrasco could at, be out past the uh, past the middle of July. So if he if he misses out uh, uh, what is expected to be uh, three to four weeks, uh, you know I'm not I'm not exactly sold on uh, the rest of that team being able to hold on without him. So uh, you may have to look at uh, Cleveland being uh, one of those teams that uh, starts making moves. Uh, ahead of the, the, the trade deadline because they're, they're going to need to get at least somebody else in there to actually shore up the roster. Yep, and I uh, guess who I have on my roster? Carrasco. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's a... They say it's a bruise, but, you know, that thing, that thing it definitely... Hit the elbow too. I like a little worse than that. It's like they 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 tried they tried to cover it up. It's like say that yeah, it's just a bruise, but it's like he took it on the elbow. There's there's no getting around that. I agree. I agree. What do we got next up? Yeah. So after that, I mean, we're 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 gonna talk about. uh, Of course, I know you. I know you love it. Talking about the Yankees. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love it, man. Can't wait. I mean, so right now, you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox just dueling back and forth uh, in the division. And right now, you've got a virtual dead heat uh, between the Yankees and the Red Sox. It's just the fact that the Red Sox have more games in hand over the Yankees right now because of the way the schedule's played out. So the Yankees are 46-21, Red Sox are 49-24, and we've got the set uh, of games. So we've got the Yankees now playing uh, the Mariners. Uh, so this is uh, traveling back onto uh, the East Coast side of things. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at this as a, a, a case where, you know, the Yankees have had a very, I would say, fortunate uh, season where in by and large, they're uh, like a- after that win streak, the Yankees have not had nearly enough drama that you would normally expect out of the season. Oh, actually, I forgot. There's a one, there's a one game series against Washington that's a makeup game tomorrow. Uh, so that's also part of uh, of the uh, the wine fest that's going on with the Yankees because we've had so many rainouts uh, in the early part of the season. We were losing some of these off days, so we got to go out to Washington, and then we travel back home to play the three-game set in the middle of the week against the Mariners. So, realistically, the Red Sox uh, won the series against the Mariners. Uh, Yankees played the Mariners this week. You know, obviously, no Cano uh, still out uh, for the 80-game suspension. The Yankees have oh, just a beast of a lineup. There's nothing else new with the Yankees to say other than the fact that, you know, everyone's asking what the Yankees are willing to do in terms of getting starting pitching. I know you don't care about this stuff, Cam, because you guys don't have anyone worth uh, training to the Yankees from a pitcher standpoint because you have no pitchers. But Dang, it's dude. Come on, dude. I'll give you Bartolo. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I. I apologize, Cam. I forgot that you still have Bartolo. Dude, I got big sexy. You'll never take him away from me. Yeah, it, we all love Bartolo, Cam. There's, there's no getting around that. It, but, you know, it's it's a case where, uh, 
from a, a fantasy standpoint, you know, the Yankees are a cruise control type of team. It's like, if you got the Yankees lineup, it's plug and play because you're not looking to actually make any roster moves right now. It's like, a, think about it. Uh, are, are you are you going to try to trade Judge or Stanton? Absolutely not because guess what? The weather's heating up and it's the ball's going to fly out even more in Yankee Stadium. There's no reason. And, I mean, Glaber Torres is making a, uh, like, pretty much a bulletproof case for rookie of the year uh, before we're even past uh, July that he's going to be rookie of the year. Uh, I mean, do, do, do you have another uh, uh, a case of someone else that could take rookie of the year from Glaber? Because I, I really can't. I don't know, man. He's been killing it, so it's kind of hard to, to say anyone else. I'm trying to think. Uh, you might have to give me a minute, but I mean, for the most part, the what, what I've seen, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. I mean, the the, the only case I could have made was uh, uh, if Otani uh, uh, hadn't gotten hurt and uh, uh, threw out some more gems, just because of the dual threat from pitching and hitting, that would make things interesting. But I mean, outside of that, Tor- Torres has just been completely uh, taking over the talk of the town. Uh, at least here in New York and, you know, national media-wise, uh, anytime the Yankees are on fire with a uh, young player, you know, obviously he, he's going to be all over the news. Oh, yeah, and I think, I mean, I think Andalar is a really good player. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, you know, if you had to choose between both of them, I think I'm going to have to go Glaber with that. Yeah, no, Andalar has played great. Uh, I mean, Andalar has literally kept Brandon Jury stuck in AAA and, I mean, there was an article the other day about how annoyed Drury is because Drury's, like, raking over 420 in uh, AAA, and he can't make the uh, get onto the main roster because who are you going to send down? You're not sending down Andujar or Torres. So uh, Drury's just stuck there in AAA. So uh, uh, teams are reaching out to the Yankees to try to make a deal to get Brandon Drury because of uh, how much he's raking. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I guess the only other – one of the other contenders, I guess I would say, is Austin Meadows. He's a beast. Yeah. But I just don't know how you can, you know, talk him over, you know, Torres. So, I mean, it's a, a decent race, but I think he's definitely on the number one spot right now. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, that uh, pretty much is what I had uh, on tap for baseball. Uh, any any, uh, any insight into uh, fantasy for the upcoming week that you want to uh, keep an eye out for, Cam? I don't know. I really haven't looked into this week yet. I'm yeah. more of a day-by-day guy. <laughs> I mean, in, 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 ter- in terms of, like, uh, returns for next week, like, the only guy I'm looking for a return of is to see, like, when on earth is uh, uh, Noah Syndergaard coming back for the Mets because – we we've been we've been going back and forth, like where in the world is uh, uh, when is he coming back? Because he was supposed to be back last week to play against the uh, to pitch against the Yankees. Didn't happen. Uh, there was a setback. He was supposed to come back this week. Didn't happen because they're uh, they're, they're 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 still worried about the finger. So it's like I, I'm I want to hear if. Uh, this is a case of the Mets yet again mismanaging an injury, and now they've got a full-blown, uh, a full-blown injury concern uh, that uh, folks, uh, folks just mock them for because the Mets always 
like undersell injuries, and then uh, they can't get their guys back healthy again. Yeah, they're, they're putting them in hiding. They're putting them in the bunker down low, saying, hey, well, we may have them back, we may not. No one's ever going to know. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the two-star pitchers uh, for this upcoming week. So you got Chris Sale, you got Cole. So Sale's got Minnesota and Seattle. Uh, uh, Cole's got Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Uh, you they got, both got two-start weeks. Yep, they both got two-start weeks. Uh, you got Jacob DeGrom having to go out the course field. That's that's a gem. And then he's and then he uh, then he plays the the Dodgers. That's also not a cakewalk either. Uh, you got Granky uh, playing the Angels and the Pirates both on the road, and you've got Bauer uh, getting a cakewalk between the White Sox. Even though I was I was just saying the White Sox are on a win streak. I mean it's still the White Sox and uh, 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 playing uh, playing uh, the Tigers as well. So. I mean, even though the White Sox and Tigers have won some games, I mean, to me, Trevor Bauer is definitely someone I'm I'm looking to uh, add in for DFS lineups. Oh, definitely, especially against the White Sox. That's K-City all day, all day. I'm calling 10 Ks. Yeah, so ba- Bauer definitely is uh, someone that I keep an eye out for. And then uh, in terms of uh, some of the other guys you would uh, take a look at, uh, just in terms of names, uh, you got Jose Barrios with one of the most difficult two starts you're, you're ever going to see. Uh, he's got to go up against the Red Sox, and then he has to play your boys. Uh, even though your, uh, your Rangers are going to be traveling to Minnesota, uh, that's still not an easy matchup. <laughs> yeah, anytime we have a righty, we, we have a chance. But if it's a lefty, we're screwed. But yeah. If we have a if we have a righty, you never know. I mean, we've been destroying righties lately, so we will see. But you can expect at least three Ks from my boy Gallo. Yeah, and then uh, the the last of the main two star pitchers I would take a look at this week, uh, even though it's a risky proposition, you got Miles Mikolas, uh, uh, the rookie. Uh, well, he's not really a rookie just because he's a he's a journeyman, but Technically, he qualifies as a rookie for uh, the Cardinals, so he's uh, he's got a road start against uh, the Phillies, and he has another road start against the Brewers this week. So uh, he's someone I would take a look at uh, just to see what the pricing is on DFS. Just because it's road starts, it's going to knock him down, but uh, I'm not sure if he's going to fall into that uh, 7K range. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think with the season he's having, he's probably going to end up being uh, in the eight nine k nine k range, and that's way way too rich for my blood uh, just for the matchups he's got. But if he falls into the seven range, then I'm going to have to make a, a consideration for him. Hear yeah, that? Like I said, that's too rich for my blood. We'll we'll figure out what we what else we got to do. Yeah. All right, Cam. Well, I'm going to wish you the best of luck because I know uh, you got the College Baseball World Series uh, on deck uh, with your boys, uh, Texas Tech, playing tonight. So uh, best of luck against Florida, and uh, we'll catch you later on the show. Wreck them, boys. Wreck them. All right. Later, Cam. Later. All right. So moving on, got one other item I wanted to get to uh, because uh, we have the – NBA draft and you know 
that's coming up uh, middle of next week uh, on Thursday, next Thursday. And the other draft that people really don't talk about too much, and you know, I get it. It's because it's not considered one of the uh, main staples on ESPN, so it just gets ignored. The NHL draft is coming up uh, the following day on Friday. So uh, you got the NBA draft, the NHL draft, back-to-back days. Uh, so I want to talk about one item that I caught my eye just because of how ridiculous uh, of a move it was. And, you know, I get annoyed because these deals seem to happen more often than anything else uh, uh, in hockey where you got moves that cannot be explained uh, that go down and it, you just you just shake your head at uh, the possibility of certain moves uh, being made. So uh, earlier uh, this week, you had the Montreal Canadiens trading Alex Galchenyuk uh, to the Arizona Coyotes for uh, Max Domi. <clears throat> of course, this would normally be seen as kind of like a nothing trade, but to kind of give context to why I felt that this is so ridiculous, uh, you have to put it in the context that Alex Galchenyuk, uh, two years ago, was a 30-goal scorer in the league. Now, you could say that, well, uh, you know, a bunch of guys can score 30 goals. Not necessarily. Uh, in the NHL... Uh, the number of 30-goal scores are few and far between if you honestly look at team rosters. There's only about four or five guys uh, per team that uh, really have the potential to score 30 goals uh, a season these days, the way that the defenses uh, are aligned in the NHL to reduce uh, scoring. And the issue is that Galchenyuk is only 24 years old. Basically, this was a case of the Montreal Canadiens giving up on Galchenyuk uh, after uh, less than two years after he scored 30 goals. And uh, the crux of the problem is that uh, the Canadiens, uh, just from the jump, uh, their GM, Mark uh, Bergevin, uh, Bergevin uh, had issues with the work ethic of Galchenyuk. Uh, Galchenyuk also had some type of issue uh, with uh, substances uh, that he checked into rehab and was crushed by uh, Bergevin uh, for being lack of a professional. But the issue of it being is the fact that A, it's a young player, and B, he can play center. Uh, now, despite what uh, the Montreal Canadiens said, uh, they never viewed Galchenyuk as a quality center in the league. And, you know, despite the fact that they didn't have any centermen uh, realistically this year, they refused to play Galchenyuk uh, in the position. Even though, uh, again, in the 2016, uh, Galchenyuk had a stretch where he had 23 points in 25 games. That's pretty good if, he, if, if you're looking for production at... Uh, out of a, a top six forward in the NHL. But, you know, they refused to actually play him in the center position and uh, relegated him to the wing. You know, uh, it's it's a very strange situation because not only did they not want to play him in center, 
they publicly kept saying that we don't believe he's the center. So not only did they uh, just kind of uh, uh, bashed him in public, they also killed his trade value because even if you wanted to move the guy because you didn't like his work ethic or his attitude or anything else, the Canadians could have gotten so much more value out of Galchenyuk than what they actually settled on because uh, at the end of the day, in uh, three-plus seasons in the league, uh, uh, Max Domi has only scored 36 goals in his career. I, I mean, that's the long and short of it. I mean, uh, Max Domi, it's not like he's that bad of a player, but he's so extremely limited in terms of upside that, you know, it's such a devaluation of Galchenyuk that Arizona, even if uh, Galchenyuk ultimately proves not to be a centerman, Arizona has stolen uh, uh, a possible trade asset for the future because, you know, again, there's not that many 30-goal scorers uh, in the league with that much uh, potential, especially under the age of 25. So I look at Galchenyuk as a guy uh, to uh, keep an eye out for next year because even though the Coyotes don't play a look at defense, uh, he should have plenty of opportunities to be a productive uh uh, fancy score uh, in the NHL uh, uh, format uh, uh, for fantasy purposes. So I look at Galchenyuk, and he automatically bolts up uh, to being a uh, no worse than a third-round uh, fantasy selection next year uh, because he's going to qualify for center, and he's also going to uh, qualify for at least left wing. Might even get some uh, play at right wing uh, because of uh, – how many times the uh, Canadians kept flipping them around this year uh, depends on uh, how Yahoo wants uh, Yahoo and ESPN want to uh, uh, classify him, but uh, he should be able to qualify for both uh, center and at least left wing. But uh, yeah, that gives you some flexibility. But uh, you know, I look at the uh, Montreal Canadiens and I see a team that's <clears throat> struggling even worse than my own uh, New York Rangers in terms of managing assets of people who are going to get traded because at least the Rangers are trying to maximize their value for players and that's why they're entertaining calls from everyone. To me, the Canadiens are backsliding further and further away from relevancy and it's going to take at least four to five years for Montreal to get on solid footing again because uh, the trades that they've made have not panned out well. They got they got basically nothing out of the PK Subban trade because Shea Weber's on uh, was on the downside of his career even before he got hurt uh, coming to uh, uh, since coming to the Canadian. So uh, it was a law of uh, diminishing returns, to be perfectly honest. And I just don't see where the light at the end of the tunnel is. So, you know, uh, Bergevin. Uh, getting fired would be the best case scenario for the Canadians, but that requires them tanking a bunch of games because, to me, if Bergeron was going to get fired, it would have been at the end of last year, so I think they're going to need uh, another uh, uh, very disappointing year uh, finishing near at the bottom of the Eastern Conference again uh, to actually get that kind of uh, reaction uh, to, to move on. So, uh, that's what I... Uh, kind of look at it from the situation there but I'm very much interested in how some of these teams uh, make deals ahead of the 
NHL draft on Friday, and there's probably going to be uh, a number of deals during the draft as well. So uh, definitely going to uh, keep an eye out for that, and I'll probably do a show uh, middle of next week as well, uh, just kind of giving a preview uh, for the NHL draft and also the NBA draft as well, since so uh, uh, that's uh, coming up on Thursday. So that's going to do it for the show uh, tonight. Uh, still got a delay, so uh, I know Cam's waiting to see how uh, the Texas Tech game plays out on that one. So maybe we'll talk about that one uh, middle of next week as well. So uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, keep uh, your eyes peeled for more World Cup action because uh, things are definitely going to get uh, more interesting as the tournament goes on. Uh, you're seeing these powerhouses uh, struggle out of the gate initially. I don't think that's going to last forever, but uh, it's definitely something to keep your eyes peeled for uh, as we move farther into the tournament. So, uh, like I said, enjoy the games, and it should be an interesting week next week. So, enjoy. <laughs> It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, I'll take Giselle, okay? <laughs> is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.